This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, March 11th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. It's a fool's errand to prognosticate. Perhaps Cato's Will Yateman should get that tattooed somewhere. In discussing a case about so-called Chevron deference and how the Supreme Court looks to handle that particularly pernicious aspect of administrative law, Yateman did just that. He prognosticated. And in light of some new comments from Justice Neil Gorsuch, here is Mr. Yateman's mea culpa. About a week ago, you and I were talking for the Cato Daily Podcast about uh, deference, and the Supreme Court had turned away a case that appeared to be uh, one tailor-made to uh, do away with uh, some some of some deference that courts tend to give to executive agencies, uh, and you said that. Uh, it would be a fool's errand to prognosticate exactly why the Supreme Court turned away this uh, opportunity to uh, grapple with this issue once again, and yet you persisted. So you prognosticated something. We won't uh, commit the error of repeating your mistake here, but you are here in some ways to apologize to this audience and say, I got it wrong. Is that right? Mia culpa, mia culpa. Uh, to, you all, to all your listeners, I, I led you astray last week, albeit with that caveat that I mentioned. I said it was a fool's errand, and I nonetheless did it, and I demonstrated that I'm a fool. Uh, but I, it's a happy mistake. I'll note that. So what uh, has Justice Gorsuch said? And you don't have to provide the, the full context here, but uh, – there are a couple of different kinds of deference that courts give to executive agencies uh, in the name of expediency. Um, what 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 is that deference, and uh, what did uh, Justice Gorsuch say with respect to turning away this particular case? You're speaking of Chevron deference, I believe, and that's this the most famous principle in administrative law. Um, and, and it's certainly the most famous deference doctrine in administrative law. And it, it stands for courts giving binding respect to an agency's interpretation of the law, even if the court thinks it has a better interpretation. Um, so that's the essence of Chevron deference, and it's ultra controversial. In a statement to an order in which the court denied review of, uh, of the bump stocks case, this, this uh, machine gun case, but the merits aside, doesn't matter. And in a statement to this order, Gorsuch goes out of his way to criticize the lower court for relying on Chevron, and he does so for three reasons. Um, the first reason is that the government expressly disavowed Chevron deference. The, the government said, if it takes Chevron, Chevron deference to win, we don't want to win. So notwithstanding this uh, f- uh, very frank admission by the government, the lower court rested its decision solely upon Chevron deference. Um, so, so that got Justice Gorsuch's goat. Uh, the second factor um, was that criminal sanctions are at play. And in this context, uh, where ultimately criminal penalties could be incurred upon the regulated party, uh, the, the law disfavors the giving of deference to an agency's interpretation of the law. Um, those are the first two, but it was the third one that that is the most important. He, here, he suggested that at some point, uh, the government, or, or I should note here, the government's case reflected the latest flip-flop, flip-flop. Uh, that is to say, the, the latest 180-degree turn on a major policy 
that was ushered in by a novel statutory interpretation. And, and this is sort of the, the uh, a problem, uh, we argue here, um, writ large with the administrative state. That, that is that now that policy overwhelming flows, overwhelmingly flows from the executive branch, every four years we have this wholesale tectonic shift in national policy whenever we elect a new president. And, and Gorsuch, in, yesterday, in this statement, um, in a beautifully written paragraph, said enough is enough, in essence, that at some point when, when the government comes to us with the latest 180 degree turn in a major policy based upon a, a, the, the latest statutory interpretation um, of this single provision, that it becomes unreasonable, that, that these ceaseless flip-flops themselves become unreasonable and in such a circumstance that Chevron deference would be unwarranted. Um, so, you know, yesterday, this statement, of course, is not binding law, but but it does hint at potentially where the court is is thinking or where certain um, justices are, are thinking when it comes to, to reigning in the Chevron deference. And this would be huge. I mean, the first two are big deals. In the rare instance when the government waives Chevron deference or in the rare instance when, when it's a criminal um, penalty as opposed to a civil penalty at issue, um, were the court to ultimately decide that Chevron is inappropriate, that would be wonderful. But this third one, uh, were the court to draw a line in the sand that says, wait a second here, or, you know, this is the 10th flip-flop over the last 25 years. That is unacceptable. You do not deserve binding judicial respect to say what the law is when, when it's your 10th interpretation in such a short period. Um, so uh, that is a that's a big deal, and is is very much something to pay attention to. So let's let's talk a little bit about Chevron deference and and remind uh, listeners what it is and what the wages of Chevron deference is. Uh, it allows uh, agencies to, as you note, alter their interpretations of certain provisions of federal law, and courts are for the most part. Uh, willing to go along with those differing interpretations unless there is some compelling reason not to do so. I take it from what Justice Gorsuch said here that a compelling reason not to do so is that the federal government uh, alters its uh, interpretations on uh, a reasonably regular basis. That was fantastic, Caleb. I mean, that was worthy of someone who went to law school. That was actually great. The, uh, so you hit the nail on the head. Exactly. Um, it, it it would go into the territory. It would become unreasonable. An agency's interpretation would become unreasonable to the extent that it reflects the the, the umpteenth flip-flop on a major policy. Um, uh, so uh, I'll note here, Chevron doesn't necessarily have to be a problem. I mean, uh, uh, Justice Scalia was actually um, uh, uh, for a long time, although it was rumored uh, before his untimely demise that he had perhaps changed his mind on Chevron, uh, for a long time he was on the record as being a, a big defender of Chevron. And it was his opinion that if courts, um, you know, famously Chevron is broken up into two steps. At the first step, the, a court looks at the statute to see whether or not it's ambiguous. If it is, it goes on to this step two, which is basically a rubber stamp for the agency's interpretation. Um, Scalia's big point was, hey, at step one, if we're doing our jobs as judges, we're not going to find an, uh, that many ambiguities that, that would warrant you know, moving on to this step two and, and letting the agency have its way. Um, the problem is that in practice, 
judges don't want to do that hard work at step one. So, so it's ended up in, in practice being this reflexive deference principle whereby courts are all too willing to sort of bypass the hard work at step one, jump straight to step two, and, uh, et voila, the government wins. And, and this is, uh, uh, agencies have internalized this doctrine. And, and by that, I mean, uh, they'll start with the ambiguity. Uh, they'll start. They'll start with a, a, a grandiose policy in mind, and that's the end. And then they'll mine the statute for ambiguities um, that they can apply this principle to and, and get their way. So it it it. Um, whereas Chevron doesn't have to be imperfect in practice, it very much is, and as a result, agencies have internalized the way Chevron operates in practice, and it's been a huge assist for the growth of this administrative state. Will Yateman is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 